I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody. There are always so many things to talk about. Our country is in a, is in a really, really strange place. You know, trying to put it into perspective is really what I guess I want to open up about today and get us all thinking a little bit. You know, the difference in how our, our country functions today and how it functioned five years ago, 10 years ago, and 20 years ago, which is not that long, it's not a long time ago, 20 years, is so completely different and strange that it makes me wonder how is what we're doing now sustainable? And, he, and here's what I hear. I see a lot of pundits out there that talk about this and they say, well, you know, no matter what it is, America will be strong and it will survive any one president. And that's, that's true. I think that is true. But the reality is the changes that are made along the way can be uh, altering to our, our very existence as Americans, as they are now. The things we never considered before that are now everyday occurrences and we'll we'll dig into them deep but i, I want to say uh chris cuomo a guy who was thrown out of his job who lied a lot about you know he's a big defender of uh, democrat causes forget the truth he lied about trump and the the hoax that everybody knew was a hoax the, the russia 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 game but he's tried to make a comeback and I'm okay with people making comebacks. People make mistakes. I make mistakes. I try to do a mea culpa. I try to be sorry when I make a mistake. I try and change my way if I've done something to hurt somebody or if I've done something inappropriate. I try and fix it. That's, that's, that's required of all of us. You know, we make mistakes of the head. Now, a mistake of the head means whatever was done was done purposefully with some kind of thought before it takes place. Things of the head are harder to get over because somebody worked their way through. So if somebody hurt you or stole from you or betrayed you purposely, that is hard to get over. That's hard to forgive. Then there's also things of the heart. Now the heart means somebody did something, but they didn't do it with malice. It, it just came out wrong. They, they, they didn't necessarily mean to hurt you or to cause some kind of problem, but they did. That is much easier to forgive if you have an open mind to say, okay, we all make mistakes. We do things that are wrong. And the, it comes down to those two things. Did we do it purposely wrong or do we do it wrong accidentally? We didn't have, the intent was not wrong, but it ended up wrong. And that's a reality. So one of the things that I talk about here is justice and, and what is justice and, and what is the right role of law enforcement. We are seeing crime across our country completely out of control uh, in all the major cities, first of all, and it is coming to the suburbs. Now, that crime being out of control has a lot of sources, a lot of reasons. Number one, as a society, we're trying to understand what is it we want from law enforcement? There are false stories out there that law enforcement in general 
all of law enforcement uh, target minorities to kill them, to hurt them, to go after them purposefully only because of their minority status. And I know that that is not true. I spent 30 years in law enforcement and I know that while there are the occasional bad person uh, of all different races in law enforcement, just like any other job, the, the overwhelming number of men and women who serve in law enforcement, they do because they want to do something good. They want to be uh, part of making a change for the good in their community or their city or their town. And the reality that those of us with common sense and those of us who have served on the job know is that police officers go after crime, right? They don't just go down the street and say, hey, there's a group of guys. Let's go pick on them. Let's plant drugs on them. Let's lock them up. Let's shoot them. That, that does not happen. What happens is either the police are called to a location for a reason. Uh, somebody might call up and say, hey, there's a guy passed out on the corner. There's a guy on the corner harassing people. There's a guy on the corner doing whatever. Uh, there's somebody in a closed business area, right? Whatever it is, it draws the attention of the officers and they go there to investigate and find out what's going on. Now, if you want to see some interesting examples of the kind of things that police have got to go through today that in all honesty, we didn't go through in the past. And I don't make that sound mysterious, but and I'm going to try and straighten it out. So if you go on and you look at, you know, there are things called reels, R-E-E-L-S, and you find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, you can find reels. And they have algorithms built in. So if you're looking at um, sporting reels, because it's, you know, pictures of Super Bowl or baseball or whatever, you will start the algorithm will say, oh, you like baseball and sports reels. So they will start sending those kind of reels to you. And then you see one after another after another. And that's great. Uh, I, I like gardening. So I saw one on gardening, planting potatoes properly. Well, once I watched it, the algorithm said, hey, Joe likes things about gardening. And I got a thousand reels about gardening, building beds, all that kind of, so that's how, that's how it works. Well, I happened to see one the other day and it was, it was law enforcement, it was an interaction. And in all honesty, it was a crazy Karen. You know, a Karen has become a pejorative name for a woman who loses her mind and is out of control, screaming and hollering, uh, uncontrollable, usually in the wrong uh, but they, they call them a Karen, you know, and it's, it's become synonymous with that personality or that kind of behavior, right? And it doesn't matter what race it is. They're, they're called Karens. Now, they also call male Karens, right? So it's not just a woman thing. It's guys and girls. This male Karen, this Karen dad or whatever it was, when they lose their mind for whatever reason and they act out, we see the behavior. So I saw this video of this Karen on an airplane who did something wrong, caused trouble. She was kicking the seats, whatever. And the airline uh, personnel told her, you have to stop kicking the people's seats in front of you. And she got off on it, blah, 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 yelling, running her mouth to the point that they decided we can't have this person on this flight for whatever it was, three hours, four hours, causing these kind of problems. So they called the airport police who showed up and they said, we want her removed uh, from the airplane because of her behavior. Now, they have every right to do that. And I'm glad they do because you know what? When I get on an airplane, I pack my bag, I sit my butt down, I read my book or I sleep or I listen to the news. I don't kick people's chairs. I don't yell at people. I don't take seats that are not mine. I don't do any of that kind of behavior. I behave like a 
decent human being on an airplane. So I'm glad that they can do that because I've been on flights where people are idiots and they do behave poorly. Now, that doesn't take into account crying babies. Babies can't help. They cry. It's unfortunate uh, when you're on a flight and there's a baby crying for hours. What is not unfortunate is when you have young children who are just terribly behaved and the parents don't do anything about it. That's a problem, right? So there's all kinds of reasons, my point being. So the police come on the airport airplane and they tell this woman you have to get up she says well i paid for my ticket well it doesn't matter that you paid for your ticket the captain and the airline says you're a disruption to the flight and you have to get off well she ends up screaming hollering fist fighting swinging at the cops and she gets locked up after they spent at least 10 minutes telling her this is not optional you have to get out of your seat you can do this one of two ways you can get out of your seat and get out of the plane, you'll get a refund, whatever they're going to do, but you're not allowed on this flight. The flight is not leaving with you on it, so you have to leave. Now, the right thing to do would be to say, boy, I'm really annoyed by that. I don't think I did anything wrong. And then you get up, you get your bags, and you get off the flight. If you think you were wronged by the airline or the police, you make a formal complaint. Uh, That's what you do, right? Well, this woman didn't do that. She screamed, hollered, kicked, spit, did all kinds of stuff. The police had to physically remove her from the seat, handcuff her, and take her off the plane. Now, the reason I'm giving that example is because once I saw that video of that kind of thing, it started showing me police videos. Now, I do police training. I try and teach officers how to do their jobs properly and safely and appropriately and with respect to the Constitution and with respect to the rule of law, right? There's a way to do it. What has happened to our society is that our society has drifted away from those principles on the part of the citizens. And a lot of that is based on politicians who are always trying to win votes. So they see the criminal element uh, in in certain cities where there's lots and lots of crime. They say, well, a lot of people here are committing crime. um, So they want to scream and holler that the police are picking on them or they're doing this. And I'm going to agree with that. And we're going to tell the police to back down. And they, oh, you remember the whole uh, defund the police? You know, they'll get rid of the police. Don't use police. Use uh, social workers because people just have problems. They're not really dangerous. They're, you know, there's no reason for the cops to go in. And what have we seen in all those cities? Crime has skyrocketed. Uh, Police have retired off the jobs and left. They can't recruit officers across the country. It is very difficult to recruit new officers. Who the hell would want to do this job? You're out there trying to do the right thing, and it is unbelievable what they have to put up with. So as, as backdrop, that's what I'm talking about. So once I started seeing these videos... I saw, you know, they were some that were two-minute videos, some were five-minute videos. You know, sometimes they dragged on. You saw the whole scenario, what happened, including some incidents where officers had to shoot somebody or somebody shot at the cops and the cops shot back or whatever. But in most of these incidents, almost every single one, almost every single one, and I saw dozens over them of them over a couple of days because I'm considering writing an article about this and I'm compiling my notes and I research, and that's how I do it. I look and see what's out there. In almost every single one of these dozens and dozens and dozens of encounters with the police, we see some very common things. Now, this is where the average person who is not a police officer and is not out in the street dealing with people every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, doesn't always understand 
what it's like and what people do and say. You know, everyone's a good person. The cops just pick on people. Now, there are some gruff cops. There are. There are some cops with gruff attitudes, uh, and they could be nicer. They could be better. Absolutely, I agree. That's one of the things I try and teach these officers, how to be a better officer, how to do what's right, uh, how to, how to de-escalate someone. But the reality is our society decided a long time ago that we as a group, as, as citizens, we wanted to live in a crime-free, stress-free environment in our homes. We wanted to live our lives. We want to raise our children. We want to uh, move about our streets without getting raped, robbed, beat, or whatever. So to accomplish that, we had our politicians create laws that we all agree to live by so that we don't have a chaotic society. So we do have a society that uh, functions properly right? Safely, securely for everyone. And if you step outside those boundaries that we have set as people, right? The, the rogue cops didn't come along and say, you know, you can't drink beer and drunk drive and, and shoot out of a car window because they don't want you to do that. These are laws we've decided. It's not safe to have people do that. And if anyone does that, they endanger all of us and they should be stopped and held accountable. And that's just in general. I mean, with all laws, that's how it works. We, the people decide we don't want rape to be Okay, so therefore we have laws against sexual assault. Well, and that's great, we have all those laws. But what do you do if you have a law and people don't listen to it? You just have a law. The law says you can't break into someone's house and take all their stuff, oh, and rape their daughter while you're in there. That's the law. The law says you can't do it. But if there's no enforcement behind that, then who's gonna listen to that? No one, unfortunately. Well, let me strike that. I'm not going to say no one. I'd say most of us would follow that. Who would do that? Who'd break into someone's house, steal their stuff, and rape their daughter? Most of us would not do that. We would never even consider that. But there are elements in our society, people of all races, all groups, that are prone to crime. That's just a reality. And those are the people that it doesn't matter what the law is. They're going to do what they want to do. And as a people... We have to make sure that they don't do it, that they're held accountable so the rest of us are not victimized. And how do we do that? Well, we could plead. We could write letters. We could uh, go on the news and say, please follow the laws. But that, we know that doesn't work. So we have created law enforcement, right? Law enforcement to do what? To enforce the laws that you and I wanted and demand of our representatives. So when I see these dozens and dozens of dozens of interactions with these law enforcement officers, there's some commonalities. Number one, everyone has been empowered now that they don't have to, uh, they don't have to listen to the police. They can claim all kinds of rights that they've been told by their friends or something else that, that doesn't exist in real life. Uh, activists have told them, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. Now. That has led to a widespread uh, reality for law enforcement officers out in the street that they come across people that will not uh, abide by a legal order by the police officer. They don't want to be arrested. They don't think they deserve to be arrested. They don't think they deserve uh, to, to have to f uh, face responsibility for what they've done. And they've been told by our society and our media over and over and over again that the police have no control over you. That matter of fact, the police are going to hurt you, especially if you're a minority. So therefore, you're right to be afraid of them. You're right to fight back at every instance. You don't have to submit to their arrest and you don't have to submit to their orders. Who are they to tell you what to do? 
And that's a problem because the laws are written in such a way that if we didn't have, uh, if the officers didn't have certain power out in the street to control an interaction, they would all get out of control as we're seeing now. So in all of these dozens and dozens of interactions, we see the officers come upon a person in a car, on foot, whatever it is. And for whatever reason, the officer's attention is drawn to them. And the officer says, well, maybe it's a tail light out in the car. Maybe they were speeding. Uh, maybe they uh, have their registration is suspended. There's a whole host of things that are illegal. And are, are, uh, they, they, they put you uh, in a position where you have to be held responsible for that. You know, if we have cars that are not registered and they crash into your family uh, and your family gets hurt, well, there's no insurance then, right? Other than your insurance. So that's why we have these kind of laws. So we see most of these encounters that I watched, uh, some of them were, you know, calls for crime. Uh, others were officers on patrol observing someone uh, in a closed gas station. Closed and closed, shut down, it's all dark, and there's a car sitting there and there's two guys sitting in it. Well, that's unusual. That's something that should be investigated. Do they have a right to be on the street at 11 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning? Sure they do. Is that a reason to just stop something? No, of course not. In a closed business, on the side of a closed business, in the back of a closed business, in an industrial park where all the businesses are closed and you have somebody wandering around, okay? That is something that, that's not someone just walking through a neighborhood. That is somebody in an area that is shut down. The people who have legitimate right to those businesses and whatnot are not there. So who's walking through? If you're just walking through innocently, yes, you can walk through. Of course, you can walk through an industrial park. If that's what you like to do, walk through the industrial park. That's fine. But the officers have to make sure that you're not there for a nefarious reason. Because in law enforcement world, we know that people who are in closed businesses on the side, in the back, walking through industrial parks, they often commit crime. They commit burglaries, they break in, they steal materials, they do all kinds of things. And in law enforcement, we know that very clearly. We deal with it every single day. So when you have someone who is walking up the street in a neighborhood, any person has a right to be on any street in America and walk through that neighborhood without being harassed. Absolutely true. Do people still call when they see somebody they don't recognize? in their neighborhood. Hey, listen, there's a man sitting out in front of my house in a car. He's been there for two hours and I don't recognize him. Now, does that man have a right to park on that public property street and sit in that car for two hours, three hours or all day? Yes, he does. He absolutely does. There's no, everyone has a right to do that. But the person calling feels that it is, there's something wrong because they don't recognize the person. That's a very common type of thing. So the police will be called and the officers will go out there and all they're really doing is checking if there is anything wrong. Now, they can come up to the person, hi, how are you? And the person can say, officer, what's the problem? We had a call, somebody didn't recognize you sitting here. Oh, I'm just sitting here in my car. I feel like taking my lunch break and I'm gonna take a nap and I'm sitting here. Okay, if, you don't, if the officers don't see them doing anything particularly illegal, then the officer would say, okay, thank you very much. They wrote down the license plate they don't have to ask for identification. You don't have to identify yourself every two seconds. You weren't doing anything. You're sitting in a car on a public street and you're allowed to do that. But in the instances of things that I saw is that there was legitimate reason to stop a person, stop a car, stop a person and buy a closed business or whatever. And the person says, I don't answer questions. 
well, you're on somebody's property at night, the business is closed, can I see your identification? I'm not showing you identification. I don't have identification. I don't have to give you my identification. And they start arguing with the officers. Well, that I can tell you is strange behavior. Now, in many instances, people have a right to say, I'm not going to show you my license. I don't have to identify myself because you have a right to be where you are, secure in your papers and your person and all that kind of stuff. It's frustrating to most of society to say, well, why didn't that? Who is that person sitting in front of my house? And you'd want to know because, you know, when the cops leave, maybe they break in the house and kill you. Who knows? But that doesn't mean that the officers have a right to do all of that stuff. Forever, what would happen is that somebody would make that call and the officer would go up and knock on the window and say, hey, how are you? I'm Officer Jones. Uh, we had somebody in the neighborhood call and say they don't recognize you. They want to know what you're doing sitting here. And for the most part, unanimously, uh, people who were planning on committing crimes, just committed crimes, or just sitting there having their lunch break, all responded with, oh, I can understand that. Yeah, if my mom called because somebody was sitting in the neighborhood, you know, I, she'd get nervous. Yeah, my name is Jim Smith. Here's my license. I'm just sitting here. And the officers would look at it, run the person, no warrant, not doing anything wrong, no drugs in the car, nothing we can see. Okay, Mr. Smith, have a nice day. And they would write a report and say, individual was not doing anything illegal, sitting on the street because he wanted to take a break. And that's the end of it. But people cooperated because they, they understood the police have a job to do. They're not there to harass you. But think about your neighborhood. If there was a car you didn't know sitting in front of your house for hours with three people sitting in it, wouldn't you, wouldn't you wonder who, who that is? What, who are these people? What are they doing? What if you're in a high crime neighborhood and you see that? Wouldn't you want to know what's going on out there? Sure, you, you'd, you'd want to know that. But the reality is if people don't commit crime, they get to sit in the street. I get all that. But in each and every one of these vignettes that I'm telling you about, when I saw it escalate from something very, very simple, like a tail light out, and you stop the car because the law says if you have lights on the vehicle, they must be functioning. Otherwise, that's illegal per se by statute, and that's something you can get a ticket for. So you stop the person driving the car and you have to ask for their license, registration, and insurance card. Because number one, you wanna know who's driving the car. Is the car properly registered? Does it have insurance? Does it meet all the requirements of law for someone to be driving a vehicle on a public street for our safety, for everyone's safety? And we have to identify who the driver is. Is the driver the registered owner? Is the driver uh, borrowed the car? Is it not, is the driver wanted, whatever. So when you stop a car, you have a right to ask for those documents. And we see people all the time say, I'm not opening my window for my safety. Well, can I have your license? And I saw one guy, he put the license up to the window inside the car. And he goes, there you go. And he put it back in his pocket. And the officer says, well, can I have that license, please? And the guy says, uh, the law says I have to present you with my license, which I just did. Uh, and therefore, I don't answer any more questions. Leave me alone. And it starts to escalate from there. Now, people have their own interpretation because society is telling them wrong information. They're telling them the police have no right to do anything with them. You, you see every one of these videos when they lawfully go to take someone into custody, arrest them, they have a warrant, they have stolen property, they have drugs, whatever it is uh, that they're doing, they're being arrested. Immediately you hear, take your hands off of me, don't touch me, don't, and people are swinging at the cops, don't touch me, you have no right to touch me. Well. Uh, eh, wrong. 
the law enforcement officer has every right to lay hands on you if it's a legitimate reason to use any kind of force. And that's the lowest level of force. You know, verbal is the lowest level. Actually, I'm telling you to get out of the car. Uh, no, you won't get out of the car. In most states in America, the police officer is allowed to order the driver out of the vehicle for any reason or no reason at all. The officer, it's for officer safety. The courts have recognized that a person sitting in a car could have access to a weapon, could have all kinds of things in that car. And the officer is safer in many times if they get the person out of the car where they can view them, see them, and control them better. So in most of our states, if not all of them, a police officer can order you out of your vehicle for any reason or no reason. The officer just wants you to get out. That's the driver, not the passengers, the driver. And we see over and over again, step out of the car. I'm not getting out of the car. You can't make me get out of the car. Yes, you have no right to get out of the car. I have a lawyer. My lawyer says, and this is my life. And they, they escalate the situation from simply get out of the car so the officer feels more comfortable, answer the questions for whatever reason, get your ticket, and move on your way. And that would be the end of the encounter. But what we see over and over and over again is that people think they know the law when they don't. And we don't teach the law. What we do is we press press the message really hard that, that cops are cops are racist, cops are horrible, cops are criminals, cops want to hurt you, cops want to take advantage, cops lie, cops plant drugs, and that doesn't happen. For those who are out there losing your minds, going, I know a cop who got arrested in my town for yes, it does happen. There are five to six hundred thousand, maybe more, law enforcement officers, and we have a couple of handfuls a year that do inappropriate, illegal things. And they should be held to account. If an officer does something wrong and illegal, they should be arrested and charged and held accountable like everybody else. But the reality is society gives police certain powers to enforce the law, to investigate and find out what's going on, what is happening at this situation. So, so how about this? Somebody kidnaps some six-year-old, puts him in a trunk, ties them up so they can't make noise and can't move and the officer stops the car for a traffic signal not working and they start talking to the person the person doesn't want to give him any information he's going to give you a ticket and they escalate it to the point that the officer ends up saying get out of the car i'm not going to get out of the car get out of the car i'm not going to now i'm going to pull you out of the car and they end up dragging the person out of the car and they're screaming my arm hurts what are you doing to me all you had to do is get out of the car you see, it's not the police who escalate these things into the point of people getting hurt in almost every single instance. It's the citizen who escalates the situation because they don't understand the law. They have no respect for law enforcement and they want to do what they want to do. And they've been told that they can. And this is one of the reasons, many reasons, we have crime completely out of control. Now, another thing that I noticed in all of those videos is that most of them, most of those incidents began after a stop for a relatively minor violation, a tail light out, a signal that doesn't work, something like that, something minor, right? And we say to ourselves, well, why would the cop stop somebody for that? Because that's the law. That's what me, you and me, all of us have told the officers, we want them to enforce the law. So they go out and they enforce the law. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about maybe what we need to do as a society is change some of those things so there are not negative uh, interactions. All right. So we'll be back in a minute with more. 
Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop. That's AmericaOutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use CofixRx because it works. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Okay, welcome back. All right, so a minute I'm going to tell you real quick about the Healthy Cell products. They're all over the network here. Healthy Cell makes... Uh, vitamins and um, things to help keep you healthy right so they, they make a lot of different products you really should check them out i heard this a couple of years ago and i said ah you know another another uh, you know vitamin product because they're all over the news right you hear them everywhere everybody's got something that's going to keep you healthy and i saw this on the network and i said well you know what it's on the network let me give it a try so i bought some and i started taking immune boost super immune boost it's supposed to get get charge up your immune system and help you fight off you know disease and colds and whatnot. Well, I got to tell you, I had sinus infections, two, three of them a year for the last 20 years of my life. Three years ago, I started taking this and that's the only thing that was different in my life. I started taking super immune boost and I got to say, I, if I've had three sinus infections in the last five years, that's been a lot. And it's not to the point I had to go to the doctor and get all this medicine. So the only thing I can attribute it to is the uh, Healthy Cell Super Immune Boost. So if you're having a problem, go check that out. They also make REM sleep to help you sleep if you're having trouble. I know a lot of people do. I don't, but a lot of people do. Uh, and then they make a thing, Focus Factor, to help you think more clearly. So the Healthy Cell products, they're on the network. Go check them out. I think they're actually good, or I wouldn't tell you about them if I didn't think they were good. All right, so... When we left off at the at the end of the first part of our get together, I was talking about the, the these videos that I've seen, and I also got to tell you in real life, in real life, it ninety percent of what officers do 
is they answer calls. You know, people call in. There's car accidents they get sent to. There's robberies they get sent to. There's domestic violence they get sent to. The officers get sent because people call for help. They want the police, and the police go show up to try and help them. And then the other duties that police have is that they're supposed to be on patrol. And what is patrol? What does patrol mean? It means they drive around the sector of the town that they're assigned to, and they look and see. They look. They're trying to make observations, make sure everybody is following the law, make sure everybody is driving safely, make sure the vehicles are safe, make sure the people in the shops and the businesses are behaving properly, no one's robbing anything, right, because they come across things. So a lot of police officers' time, patrol time, when they're not assigned to a specific job, uh, they are making observations. And one of the things that we see is that motor vehicle stops. People stop a car because the tail lights out. Right? The tail lights out. That's against the law. It's illegal. Why? Because if a tail lights out and you hit your brakes and somebody doesn't see it, it can be an accident. Is it really a super duper big deal? As former law enforcement, I don't want to say it's not a super duper. It's not a super duper big deal. It's a big deal. It's, it's important. Your lights all should work on your car, not for necessarily just for the person who's driving the car, but for everybody else around that person that's on the road with them. I deserve to be driving on the road. I know my car works and my car's in good order and it's safe. My tires are good. Everything works. So I know my car's safe, but there's a lot of cars out there that are not safe and they can run into you, crash into you, crash into your children, crash into your grandparents, all that kind of stuff. So that's why we have motor vehicle laws. Now, the, the thing always comes up with motor vehicle laws. Are motor vehicle laws used uh, to create, generate money for municipalities? And I'm not going to tell you they're not. Uh, in many communities, I think they are. That's where the joke always comes, you know, go into a small town, speed limit 60 miles an hour, and then you don't see the sign off to the side that says now it's 35 miles an hour, and you go whipping through and there's a cop sitting right there. And, oh, gotcha, you know, you're doing, uh, you're doing 65 and a 35, that'll be a $300 ticket. Is there truth to that? There is. There is truth to that. Um, speed traps, people call them, you know, and, and they are. And not so much anymore, but they are still out there. I've, I've come across them. You know, is that the officers deciding to do that? No, I can tell you it's not, right? That's the township government that makes a decision, uh, you know, what speed limit they want. And they apply for it to the Department of Transportation. They look at it and say, yeah, it should be 65 and you're coming into a downtown area, it should be 25. And the I get it. There are legitimate reasons to go from a high speed to a low speed. But it, you, you got to understand that when people are seeing that, to go from 60 to, to 35 is takes a while to slow down, you know, unless you jam on your brakes and nobody wants to do that. So a motor vehicle is often used as a way to generate income for communities. I don't like it. I was never a fan of uh, writing excessive amounts of tickets. Then, of course, there was the concern that took place in the, I'm going to say, the late 80s. There was a big push on making sure that there were no traffic ticket quotas, right? Uh, a quota means each officer must write X amount of tickets every day, every week, every month or whatever. And if they didn't, they weren't meeting standards of the department. Was there, was there a place in there where you could um, – could be a problem? Yes. So if you said every officer has to write 100 tickets a month – um, and you have, you know, 20 officers, that's a lot of tickets. Now in a big city, there's lots of people making car violations, running red lights, running stop signs, jumping to curbs. You could write legitimate traffic safety tickets all day long. But in lots of places, 
um, you know, they're far and few between. But the cops had a quota. They must write that many. So they would go out and write tickets for the simplest little violation. Uh, no warnings, no, you know, remember the head or the heart. So listen, I didn't know my taillight was out, officer. I didn't know my plate light was out. I don't go around and look at my license plate light to see if it's on or not. And now that I, you told me it's out, I'll go get it. Nope, here's your ticket. $200, right? This is frustrating to the driver, to the citizen, uh, and to the officer because then, you know, people are ticked off at the cops. You know, I got a $200 ticket for a light. Okay, I get it, 100%. So that's why I was never a fan of motor vehicle. Well, in the late 1980s, there were some places found that they had quotas that were unreasonable. Uh, and the, the impression was that it would make cops go out and write tickets to people who they wouldn't normally give a ticket to because they had this quota. And the quota's purpose was, hey, we want, you know, 100 cops, 100 tickets per cop every month because that's a lot of money, revenue. And that's wrong. So a lot of the courts stepped in and said, you can no longer have quotas. There can't be quotas on how many things officers, how many tickets they write. If they see a legitimate violation, yes, they should issue the ticket. That's their job. That's the enforcement of the law. But you shouldn't say they have to write 100 of them if they only see 50 violations, right? So that made sense. My point here being is that over the course of time, we've had to reevaluate what is it we want from law enforcement. Because remember, we, the people, demand uh, laws be created to create the environment in which we can live, raise our families, and function. We want it to be safe and secure and all that good stuff. So we have laws. Well, the same thing goes for motor vehicle. So when I watched these videos, 90% of them started from a simple traffic stop uh, for a taillight out, a bald tire, a cracked windshield, a headlight out, running a red light, going through a stop sign. All right. Well, in the scheme of things, running a red light or a stop sign is very dangerous. You could, you could hurt somebody or yourself very badly, and that's, that's something that needs to be investigated. Did the person go through the stop sign because they're intoxicated, because they're sleepy, are they on drugs, or did they just decide, I'm not stopping, and roll right on through it? Right? Same thing with a red light. You know, you're, we've all had this. You come running up to the red light, and all of a sudden it turns yellow, and you have to look ahead of you and go, okay, listen, uh... Do I have enough time to stop safely? Do I have enough time to uh, to go or what should I do? So what a lot of people do is they have, some people see yellow and they immediately stop. They just slow down and stop. And it's still, it's still yellow when they come to a complete stop and then it turns red. Other people push it. They're like, I think I can make it. And they get to the middle of the intersection and then it turns red. All right, all right, that's, that's what people are doing. When I see all of these interactions that are negative, that people don't want to give up their license, they don't, they, you all, it's almost all of them say, I don't have my license with me. To a law enforcement officer, that's a dead giveaway that the person has a suspended license, they don't have a license, they're using somebody else's name. This is called the liar police. They do this all the time. They have a warrant and they give you their brother's name and they get the date of birth wrong. This is very, very common because uh, people don't want to be held accountable for what they, what they have. So we see our officers out there, and they're trying really, really hard to do a job. The question we have to say is, if we took away that responsibility of law enforcement enforcing minor motor vehicle violations, if we said, okay, running red lights, stop signs, and speeding, and reckless driving, you know, that kind of dangerous stuff, that the officer should enforce, but equipment violations, they, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't worry about that anymore. Now, that's a legitimate thing we could say as a society. 
If somebody's tail lights out, their tail lights out. Okay. Um, does that affect the world? No, I got to tell you at night, uh, having that tail light light up your license plate, I had headlights in my car. I could see your license plate very, very clear. But the law is they want you to have a tail light uh, in there, right? So if we took that all away from officers and said, you don't have to do that anymore. Matter of fact, do not enforce these minor traffic violations anymore. Uh, stick with the big ones, reckless driving, uh, following too closely, drunk driving, speeding, running red lights, running stop signs, all that kind of thing. Stick to those kind of uh, dangerous vehicular moves and leave all the minor stuff out. Would that cut down on negative interactions with the public? The answer is yes, of course it would. Of course it would. If the cops don't be, they're not out stopping people, uh, then there's no chance for an interaction to go negative, right? Or fist fight or somebody do something. Here's the other side of that, though. Here's the other side. We got to know both sides of the story. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. The reality is, I got to tell you, in the course of my career, we did enforce minor motor vehicle violations. We were told that that was important, that that was uh, a safety concern, that you had to make sure a vehicle stayed safe. And you had discretion as an officer. You could go up and talk to the person and say, oh, listen, you know, uh, I didn't realize it was out. All right, you know, get that fixed. And uh, if I see you in another week and it's not fixed, I'll give you a ticket. You could do that. Or you could hand them the ticket. Here, use a ticket. You're, it's out. You're supposed to know your lights are working. They're not working. You should have known that's not the cop's responsibility to tell you. You should know. Here you go. Here's your ticket. It's, it's legitimate as well. What we see, though, is that in almost all of those stops where there's conflict, it's because the officer stopped them for something minor, but there's something much bigger going on in that car with that person. Either the person is wanted, they have a warrant somewhere, not parking warrants, maybe they got assault warrants, sexual assault warrants, uh, murder warrants, they come from another state, whatever, drug dealing. They have very serious warrants for their arrest, and you find that out after you stop the car for the taillight out. Now you're taking a very dangerous person off the street by arresting them on that warrant, but it started with the taillight. We come across human trafficking through the same thing. You stop a car because they run through a stop sign, and you find in the back of the SUV uh, 12 people. 12 illegal immigrants who are here in, in the country trying to make a better life for themselves, and they're being trafficked in, whether to sex slavery or something else, and you arrest that person because you find out they are trafficking in human beings. That came from a stoplight uh, stop. So while those are annoying and they do cause a lot of conflict, uh, as a society, we have to decide what do we want our cops to do, and then once we decide, then we have to back them up. We have to back the officers up. You know, one of the things when I teach police officers is that the reality is, you know, when we use the, the is, it, is it something of the head or something of the heart uh, when an officer does something, that's a way we look at for discipline of the officers. What was the officer thinking when this violation of a rule or regulation took place? Were they doing it purposely to break a rule? Were they doing it to purposely cut a corner uh, or to do something wrong? If they did that, that's a violation through the head, and therefore that, that means discipline, whatever that discipline means. If the officer was trying to do something legitimate and it went sideways, and let me tell you, if you haven't put on the uniform, uh, strapped on the gun, and went out on patrol somewhere or walked a tear somewhere in a prison, 
this kind of work goes sideways very quickly because you're not dealing just with good and decent people who just want to live their lives and don't realize they're doing bad things, you come across lots and lots of very, very bad and sometimes very evil people who want to do bad things and they do not want to be held to account and therefore they argue, they fight, they run, they try and hurt the officer, they try and take the officer's guns, all kinds of things. <coughs> Excuse me. So this has been my career and this is what I'm saying, people don't always see these things. They only see the, the one where the officer went too far or when the, the situation looks out of control. All right. So one of the things that I, that I, I say is as a society, we got to decide because when you watch these videos over and over and over again, you see how a taillight out stop turns into two pounds of cocaine in the back seat and a gun, a wanted person, um, uh, illegal weapons in the car, uh, all kinds of crime because the officer stopped the car for a taillight out. So as society, we, we have to decide, what do we want them to do? Do we, we, do we wanna get bad people off the street or do we not? Many of our prosecutors now, uh, much more progressive left-wing uh, semi-socialist prosecutors, their whole idea is that, you know, people are persecuted by the police. So therefore we're not going to hold anyone accountable. So that's where the no bail rules come from. Nobody should be held in bail. Uh, they, everybody should be let go. Well, I gotta tell you, if you go back in the archives and you listen to previous shows, what I have said is I think bail reform is a good thing. Uh, I, I've, seen, I've seen things across the year that, that just didn't seem uh, fair or right that could be adjusted. Let me give you an example. Um, in many communities, if you're driving with a suspended driver's license, which can lead to a longer suspension and a several thousand dollar fine, so there's a lot of interest uh, in in the court system to hold you accountable, right? So what a lot of places will do, a driver's license is suspended, they will take the driver into custody. They will arrest the driver, bring them in, formally document who they are, uh, to make sure you got the right person, you know, uh, take their picture, all that processing because of a suspended driver's license, right? Well, there might be bail put on that person and the bail might be $1,000. Now, $1,000 is a lot of money, but it's not an unbelievable amount of money, not for Lieutenant Joe. And for many other people, I've, I've gotten to a point in life where $1,000 is still a lot of money, but it's not an insurmountable amount of money. If I had to get $1,000 together, I could do it very, very quickly. Not everyone can. So here we have a lot of people who are lower in the socioeconomic world, and that's across all races, that get stopped and are arrested for things and bail is put on them that they end up going to the county jail until they can raise the bail often spend a week or two weeks in jail where other people, people with more means could do the exact same crime and they have access to $1,000. So they just get the thousand bucks, put it down and they walk out. And you say to yourself, is that inherently fair that because some people have resources and others don't, some go to jail and some don't. It should be about the crime, right? You, you should be, it should be about the crime. So the whole idea of bail, bail is intended so that the person arrested puts up something of value so they have a vested interest in coming back to court. That's the idea. Now, what I have also seen is that people with 
means will often come back to court. They will come to court. They'll pay their fines. They will plead guilty or they'll go to trial and be found guilty and then they pay the penalty. What I've also found, I found the same thing with people in the lower socioeconomic uh, realms of our world. But what I've also seen is lots and lots and lots, overwhelming numbers of people in the lower socioeconomic world that will not come to court. You know, they don't have anything. They didn't have to put up any money. They just got out. They don't go to court. A warrant is normally issued for their arrest and they will just go about their lives until they get stopped by the officer for some other reason, another traffic stop, another whatever. And the officer finds they get a warrant. Now they lock them up. They put them in jail. Now they go to the judge and the judge says, hey, how come you didn't pay this fine? You didn't pay your thing. And now I put out a warrant and we, you know, your honor, I don't have the money. I don't have this and that. And that's true. You know, people just don't have the same money. One of the things I remember being early on in my career, you know, you're a new cop and you're, you're, you're eager to get out there and prove yourself to everybody and make good arrests and, you know, write good tickets and, and enforce the law. That's what you're there for. And I started to notice that lots and lots of people lots and lots of people are good and decent people but they had the same crappy kind of cars that i had before i had a cop job where they paid me decent salary and health care until then i had crappy cars i had cars that had bald tires or a cracked windshield that i couldn't afford 200 dollars for a windshield uh in the meantime i'm trying to feed my my myself and my wife and my child so i put it off i put it off until i get stopped by a cop who would say hey you got a cracked windshield. That's pretty big. That's dangerous. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I've been driving to work every single day with her for six months. And it hasn't killed me or anybody else. I just don't have the money to fix it right now. And in most cases, I was stopped a few times for that. And the officer would say, listen, do me a favor. You got to get the windshield fixed. I get it. You're working. You know, I'll give you a week. If I see the car again, I'm going to have to, you know, give you the ticket. So I'll give you a week. That was pretty good use of discretion. And I, it's my responsibility. The law says no cracked windshield. I shouldn't have a cracked windshield. But I didn't have the money to fix it. And the reality is lots of people don't have the money to fix these things. So what does that mean? Should they not drive then? Well, uh, if you have an unsafe vehicle, you shouldn't drive it. Well, then the person can't get to work. They can't get to work. They can't make money. You know, it's, it's a vicious cycle. So when it comes to bail reform, I think there are ways to do bail reform to make things more fair. When it comes to criminal activity, assaults, possessions of weapons, possessions of drugs, you're going to come across the same thing. You're going to stop a wealthy person of any race, wealthy person of any race, and they have, uh, you know, cocaine and a gun in a car. Well, they're going to be charged and their bail might be $25,000. They can either make the bail relatively quickly or they can't. Most of the time they can. If you're a person of means, of course, you can get together, you know, bail money, get a bail bondsman, you put down 10 percent and, you know, and off you go. But if you're a person of limited income, you're not going to be able to make 25,000 and you're going to get put in jail. How do we square that? How do we square it? Do we say only violent crimes have to have bail? And is the bail based on income? Should the judge look and say, okay, this guy has a gun and cocaine and he makes uh, $20,000 a year. So his bail is uh, $2,500, you know, $2,500. And here this guy, very wealthy guy, has a gun and cocaine and he makes 100000 So his bail is 25000 Does that cross a line 
on the other side. See, on the one side, we're setting bail based on the crime. And some people can make it easily and some people can't. But if we did it the other way, based on your income, then wouldn't that be more fair? But are we now treating people differently? Right? The outcome might be different the other way, but we're treating everyone the same. Here's the bail for this charge. It's 25000 If you can't make it, you go to jail until trial right? to hold you accountable because you have, you have to have you know, skin in the game, as they say. So all of these things are legitimate, and that they're, they're legitimate things for conversation. Um, it would be nice if people would just stop committing crimes, but they don't. And that leads us to... I guess the, the, the realization that it's a smaller number of people. You know, back in the day, remember in a movie, you'd watch a movie and they, there'd be some burglaries or some street robberies and they would say, round up, round up the usual suspects. That's because most criminals that commit crime are not generalists. Most of them, you know, street robbers do street robberies. Burglars do burglaries. Um, that kind of thing. Drug dealers deal drugs, you know? So you would say, if you're having burglaries, you would go look for the guys or the girls that commit burglaries and see what they're all about. Where were they? You know, do investigation. So that's where that comes from. But the reality is we have, um, if you figured it out, you will see, what did I hear this today? In, in I think in New York, I think it's New York. Somebody was on there talking about the crime stats in New York. And they said, they know there's about 27,000 people out of the 8 million in New York that are the repeat offenders that go out and rob and rape and steal over and over and over and over again. And for the most part, when those people were arrested and they were held to a bail and they couldn't make the bail, they ended up going to jail. And what happened was the crime came down because that, that key group of people committing the crimes were being held to account, right? So it's not everybody. It's a certain number of people or percentage of, of all of us in society are criminals. And when you take them off the street, when you hold them accountable, you will see crime go down. We have seen the exact opposite now when we're allowing people. How many times have you heard uh, this guy uh, robbed a 7-Eleven and uh, last week uh, he robbed three people at gunpoint in a parking lot and two weeks ago he was drunk driving and he and he killed a guy. And it goes on and on and on because if there's no uh, punishment for violating the laws we demand are out there, then people who are going to commit crime are going to commit crime. And then you and your family are in danger. So we see that across our country now that this misguided idea, uh, this whole, you know, the cops are bad and the cops are the problem is really been proved once again to not be true. And the reality is that some people want to commit crime, and when they realize there's no penalty for it, they're going to commit more crime. And eventually, others are going to join in. It turns into a culture of crime. And this is what I've seen across my career. There is culture of crime. Um, and I, I've told some of these stories in the past. I, I was shocked as a new police officer, I was sent to a store for a shoplifting. It was a juvenile. I think he was 13 years old. And I ask him his name and he, he argues with me about his name. He gives me a fake name. Obviously it was fake. He was making it up. I bring him to the police station and I say, I got to call your mother to release you. Your mother has to come get you. So he gives me the name and I get the woman on the phone 
say, hey, this is Officer Joe. I have your son here. Uh, he's uh, been charged with uh, shoplifting at this store or whatever. Uh, what is his uh, full legal name? Now, if you asked my mother that, she would say, Joseph John Fangaro, because that's my name. And she would give you my date of birth, where I live. She'd tell you everything about me. This mother says to me, what name did he give you? And I said, well, ma'am, it doesn't matter what name he gave you. I'm asking you, what is your son's name? She goes, well, I'm asking you, what name did he give you? I said, what difference does it make what name he gave me? I'm asking you, do you have a son? Yes, I do. Is he 13 years old? Yes. What is his name? She goes, you better talk to his father. And she hung up on me. Now I had to find this young man's father. The father came in, gave me the full name, the right name, did the right thing, was very angry with his son for being involved with this. But here is this culture that this young man was growing up in, in his own family, where his mother was going to cover him up at 13 years old. He's in a police station. He's under arrest. And she would not give his real name because she didn't want to counteract anything he already told us. That is not good for any, it's not good for that young man. It's not good for his family. It's not good for society. And I got to tell you, I've seen that over and over and over and over. And I know all my law enforcement people out there that are listening, you know what I'm talking about. These things we see all the time. So the way the courts look at things often is they'll say that when the officers do things, it has to be what a reasonable man would do. And when you go to court and you testify as a law enforcement officer, the courts often recognize that the police know things that the average citizen doesn't. Uh, they see things over and over again, so therefore they recognize suspicious behavior, criminal activity, pre-crime pre cursors, that kind of things. We have to get back to that if we're ever going to save this society from the current problems we're in because it's not safe out there for anybody in any community anywhere. And every community in America, every single American citizen should live in a safe and secure community where they can walk the streets, raise their families, and make the most out of their time here on Earth. So that's it for today. You know, I, I got a lot more to say. We'll get back to it pretty soon. But remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Have a great day.